You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. everybody welcome back to politics weekly uh today we have a very special guest once again um we have lander nelson um he is a 14th he's he describes himself as a 14th generation american from oregon he's been to 75 countries 49 states and he is a graduate of the university uh, of washington and he has a degree in international uh, political economy. Um, he has a live show every week uh, on the Lander Nelson YouTube channel, and he joins us today. Lander Nelson, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much for having me on, Nolan. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Good, good, good. Now, um, tell people a little bit about what you do on your uh, YouTube channel. Well, uh, as you mentioned, I've been to 75 countries, 49 states, took like almost five years of my adult life. Um, so I like to focus on uh, examining our American experience through the lenses of culture and politics um, and identity, uh, you know, u- using integrating in the experiences that I've had around the country and around the world to inform my opinions. All right. Now, um obviously you do a lot of traveling. How has that been uh, affected uh, by the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I have not done any international travel uh, with the pandemic. Uh, my parents went to Mexico, so they've actually done more inter- travel, international travel than I have recently. I've done um, some traveling through the United States, some road trips, uh, but haven't done any international trips in the past year, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, now, I understand uh, you were outside on the lawn in Washington, D.C. Uh, during the uh, the Capitol riots on January 6th. Uh, do you want to tell people a little bit about the, uh, the unique experience you had? Uh, yeah, so I was back east doing some work in Georgia and uh, Florida doing some uh, consulting. And... Um, I was headed back, uh, back to the uh, West Coast, and I saw the Trump tweet that uh, come out for January 6th. It's going to be wild. And I have my ear to the ground in a lot of different groups, and I was hearing that it's going to be a big thing. A lot of people are going to show up. And so I thought, you know what? I haven't been in D.C. in years. Um, last time I was there literally was the government shutdown. Well, actually, no, I've, I've been there in between then, but it was just a brief time. So the last time I actually spent like a week sightseeing in D.C. was during the government shutdown, like way back in the day when they had uh, all these parks shut down and everything. So I was like, uh, I have ne- I've never really seen D.C. open before. Um, and this is a really unique time to go. I love history. I love being a part of history. I love witnessing cultural events. And I thought 
this might be a big thing. It could, you know, I, I thought maybe it just could be like another million MAGA march. Yeah. They just walk around, wave their flags, and then go back home at 3 p.m. Um, but uh, but no, uh, this event turned out to be quite different. Uh, I showed up at about 11 shortly after Trump had started speaking. Um, the the uh, National Mall was just full of people, uh, completely surrounding the Washington Monument, uh, completely uh, filling the ellipse, comp- filling uh, Pennsylvania Avenue and all the other avenues. And uh, yeah, it was it was quite an experience. I was there from 11 until the very end, until curfew when we had to leave the scene. I watched the whole thing wow. from a uh, safe distance, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we jump right into uh, the news then? Uh, so president, former President Donald Trump has officially been acquitted by the United States Senate after being impeached by the United States House of Representatives for the second time just before leaving office as president. Um, in order to convict uh, President Trump, the Senate would have had to uh, 67 senators would have had to have voted to acquit. That was always considered a long shot. Uh, despite Democrats holding the Senate, they only have 50 seats, uh, plus Vice President Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker. Um, however, it should be noted that every single Democrat, like with the uh, last impeachment, uh, every single Democrat did vote to impeach Trump, and this time seven Republicans joined those Democrats uh, to uh, to um, vote for Donald Trump's conviction. The seven Republicans that joined uh, the Democrats included Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski, Nebraska Senator Ben Sass, Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy, Utah Senator Mitt Romney, Pennsylvania Senator Pat Toomey, North Carolina Senator Richard Burr, and Maine Senator Susan Collins. Uh, There was an extensive trial beforehand uh, from both sides uh, on the Senate floor, which was overseen by Vermont Senator uh, Patrick Leahy, who is currently the President Pro Temp of the United States Senate. Um, Uh... At the very end, there was a call that leaked, uh, or or allegedly a call that leaked between Kevin McCarthy uh, and Donald Trump. The transcript of the alleged call claims uh, that McCarthy uh, asked Donald Trump to um, send in the National Guard to assist uh, or send in uh, protection to assist uh, and that Donald Trump refused because the people protesting, uh, in his mind, uh, cared more about uh, the election uh, than he did. Um, Jamie Herrera Butler, a Republican congresswoman from Washington State, um, has uh, uh, who did vote for President Trump's impeachment, is claiming that call was uh, true, uh, but that doesn't matter because President Trump has, former President Trump has been acquitted for the second time. What are your thoughts on uh, former President Trump's second acquittal? Uh, I found the entire uh, impeachment um, process, both the last one and this one, uh, to be embarrassments, national embarrassments. Um, In third world countries, when a new government takes over, the first thing that they do is use that ring of power uh, that they have now seized to 
hurt the former leader as well as uh, their supporters. This is very common in third world countries. I remember I was in Cambodia and they were about to have the elections. There were signs everywhere. They were having parades in the street, playing uh, playing campaigns ads everywhere. And it was kind of it was kind of fun. It was kind of festive. But Cambodians kept telling me, you have to get out of this country and you have to get out a little well before the elections happen, because once the elections happen, once the votes are counted and the, the winner has won and the new winner seizes that ring of power, they're going to hit their opponents hard. They're going to try to throw as many of them they can in jail. They're going to have their supporters rampaging through the streets, attacking the businesses of their opponents, stealing their stuff. Um, so it is, it's very, it's very sad that, um, that these behaviors that we observe in uh, broken third world countries are uh, now becoming all too commonplace within our own supposedly first world system. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. Uh, controversial Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene has been voted off of all committee assignments uh, by the United States House of Representatives. Uh, Taylor Greene was always considered a controversial uh, member uh, of uh, or a controversial politician from the moment she won the Republican nomination for her district. Um, she is a supporter of QAnon conspiracy theories, uh, essentially what QAnon conspiracy, the, the, the baseless uh, conspiracy theory that uh, claims that um, there is a secret cabal um, of pedophiles uh, in Washington and Hollywood, um, and that there is a secret person named Q who has infiltrated these uh, infra- uh, the, these places um, and is trying to uh, and is trying to take down these pedophiles from the inside. That's what the uh, conspiracy theory is. There's no base to it. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene had previously expressed support for those conspiracy theories. She distanced herself uh, during the election from that. She ended up winning as she was in a safe Republican district in Georgia. Um, However, um, she has just been booted from all committee assignments uh, as of recently. This was because of recent tweets that they found uh, from a few years ago. Uh, one claiming that a space laser was created by uh, a secret organization of Jewish individuals. Um, a, uh, another uh, conspiracy theory claimed um, that uh, 9-11 was an inside job. She expressed interest in that conspiracy theory. Um, she also uh, controversially uh, approached um, um, uh, a... Uh, Stoneman Douglas, a Marjorie Stone, uh, Stoneman Douglas survivor named David Hogg in a video, uh, which many people claimed was harassment. Um, because of this, um, she has been booted from all committee assignments. Um, she, um, the vote included all Democrats, all Democrats in the House voted for it, and nine Republicans voted to boot her from uh, the committee assignments. Um, many Republicans have opposed this. 
Um, they, uh, their argument is essentially that the people of her district voted for her and therefore she shouldn't be voted off. Democrats have claimed that her conspiracy theories are too dangerous and they just have no place in the House and they just need to be completely uh, condemned for the good of our country in their opinion. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was attacking uh, House Minority Leader uh, Kevin McCarthy for uh, not being harsher uh, on uh, on uh, Green, labeling uh, McCarthy as uh, Kevin McCarthy Q California rather than R California. What are your thoughts on Marjorie Taylor Green being booted from committee assignments? Well, I mean, everything you said is certainly true. Uh, <laughs> Miss Marjorie Taylor Greene is a bit of a wacky character. She certainly believes in lots of kooky conspiracies, or at least uh, is at least willing to hang out with the people who do. Um, I mean, this, this is all true. Um, I, I've I've been to her the district that she's from in Northwest Georgia. I've spent a couple weeks there before. Uh, I love Northern Georgia. It's uh, definitely my favorite part of uh, Georgia. No offense, Atlanta. Um, so uh, I know her. I, I've, I've met a lot of her constituents. I kind of feel like I know the area pretty well. Um, and it's just so it's just so absurd. I mean, honestly, her being removed from these committee roles is nearly as absurd as many of the conspiracy theories she believes, because you have 400 and 35 voting representatives in that U.S. House of Representatives. And whether the representatives from California or New York like it or not, the people of northwestern Georgia chose her in a democratic process. Sorry, that's just the way it is. And do, do her, does her belief in kooky conspiracy theories and her non-optical behavior, like uh, trying to chase down that guy, um, that uh, the, the survivor David of like, Parkland uh, High School? Yeah, yeah, David Hogg, yeah. Um, so do, does this belief in kooky conspiracy theories and non-optical behavior rise to the level of, uh, of being... A, <laughs> Have your having your name and face splashed all around the world, getting all this media attention, having all this energy focused on you. Um, no, I don't think it was worthy of the time or energy of our media, of our Congress, of our people. Just an embarrassment. If, if she, if people believe kooky things and they're democratically elected, then unless they're really drawing attention to themselves, they should just be ignored. They should just be allowed to do their job. All right. Uh, well, the 2024 election is uh, coming up in four years now that Joe Biden is elected. It's a long time away, but people are already looking to the next election. Um, obviously, many people don't know who the nominees will be yet. There are rumors that either Joe Biden could run for reelection or potentially Vice President Harris could run in his place uh, on the Republican side. Um, there, there are rumors uh, that President Donald Trump could be running again, potentially trying to pull a Grover Cleveland running for a second non-consecutive term. Um, however, there could be one uh, unlikely Republican uh, who is running, and that is conservative activist Candace Owens. Uh, Candace Owens uh, is a often controversial um, uh, person. Uh, who advocates for conservatism and conservative values. She was a former Democrat. Um, she um, advocates 
um, for trying to uh, get uh, more uh, African-Americans to join the Republican Party, uh, as she is an African-American herself. Um, she Her argument is that the Democratic Party has always been racist um, because of the Democratic the old Democratic Party's support for uh, slavery and segregation. Uh, however, she um, believes that uh, that the Democratic Party, however, she also believes that the Democratic Party today, in her mind, is using African Americans uh, for votes, and for that reason, they should join the Republican Party. Um, Owens herself has been on multiple different shows. She has her own podcast, which is very popular. She's been on uh, uh, she's been on Ben Shapiro's show. She's been on um, uh, she's been on a number of shows. Um, and uh, right now she is saying she might want to run for president. She said in a recent tweet, I'm thinking of running for president. And that was that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Candace Owens potentially running for president in 2024? Well, um. Candace Owens is obviously popular for a reason. She's a uh, young, beautiful, uh, well-spoken uh, woman, and um, I don't. I, I've enjoyed a lot of the stuff that I've listened to of hers, and I, I think she's a certainly a, a a person who I'm I'm proud to represent this country. But uh, is she <laughs> is she qualified, or or should she become president? <laughs> of course not. Um, not now. And honestly, probably not ever. She's going to turn 35, the minimum age to be president by November, November, 2024, but she's like 31 right now. And you have to ask, what has she done that is worthy of the office of the presidency? Uh, yeah, she's, uh, had some zingers. She's uh, very popular with social media. She's does a lot of great interviews. Um, well-known, but there's literally of hundred hundreds of other um, uh, media figures in the right wing that are just as well known as she is. It, it really just seems to me like a like a very hollow, astroturfed um, uh, token gesture. Uh, these Republicans are just constantly trying to push out this message that oh, you know, the Democrats are the ones who actually don't like the descendants of African slaves, even though 90% of the descendants of African slaves vote for them, which is just, just an absurdity. Like she, she's like, oh, well, they're, they're the bad ones. They're, they're, they're mean to us. But it's like, well, why, why are, why are 90% of the uh, people in the identity group that you're speaking of, why are, are they voting one way? And don't tell me, oh, well, they're all just dumb. They believe in propaganda. No, I think they're probably making an informed and calculated decision based upon their personal and group interests. And so honestly, I, I have kind of my ear to the ground and I, I have heard a few people in, in real life talk about Candace Owens as president, but generally they're kind of older, um, kind of the boomer generation, usually women from the boomer generation, are the only people I've honestly heard voice support for her about running for president. I haven't heard anyone like under the age of 40 um, uh, say that they had any interest in her like uh, running for president. I don't know. Maybe she could run. Maybe that could be nice. You know, it's good to have divert. It's good to have a lot of people on stage, a lot of ideas, a lot of a lot of uh, that that marketplace of ideas. She's a very well spoken person. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the idea that she could ever be the president of the United States is 
Uh, it's just a bit absurd. All right. Well, in 2022, um, there are a number of uh, competitive Senate races. Um, Republicans would like to take back the Senate uh, as they need just one Senate seat to do so. But Democrats are actually hoping to expand their majority as they believe they have a pretty favorable map with a number of potential pickups uh, that they could target. And one of those potential pickups is in the ever so swing state of Pennsylvania. Um, right now, uh, Pat Toomey, if you'll remember, uh, if that name sounds familiar, he was one of the Republicans that joined Democrats to vote for Donald Trump's conviction recently. He is retiring from the Senate, which makes this uh, race all the more competitive. Uh, Republicans will have to find a new Republican candidate uh, to uh, uh, to guard that seat. Um, and right now, Democrats have already uh, entered a major candidate into the race, that being Lieutenant Governor, Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. Fetterman is a progressive. He's more aligned with Bernie Sanders uh, and that wing of the po- uh, of the party, kind of a, a left wing populist sort of brand, if you will. Um, he supports Medicare for all. He supports uh, the Green New Deal. He supports amnesty. He supports those types of ideas. Um, he um, has announced that he will run. He's already raised a record number of money. He's already raised over a million dollars in the less than a week uh, of officially being in the race for president, uh, for, sorry, Senate. <laughs> Um, but, um, he already, um, is raising a, a decent amount of money, uh, and he is hoping to run. However, he may not be the only Democrat who seeks the nomination right now. Uh, Congressman Connor Lamb, uh, who many people, uh, like a lot of Democrats like him, he is a, uh, United States veteran who has won narrowly in Trump districts is thinking about running, uh, for that Senate seat, uh, as he is, uh, as he is very much fearing the possibility that he could be booted out of his house seat through redistricting this year. What are your thoughts on John Fetterman potentially, uh, or running for this Senate seat? Well, I was just taking a look at his Wikipedia page as well as some pictures of him, um, uh, when you were speaking and have you, have you seen a picture of this guy before? Yes. Have you seen his like official picture? Yes. <laughs> He's wearing this like gray, like Ho Chi Minh style, um, like button up. It's very, it's very strange. I guess it's kind of like in solidarity with the workers of the world. I, I, I yeah, suppose. that's what he said. Uh, he said in an very... official statement that he refuses to wear professional clothes he prefer he re- he refuses to wear a suit and tie because he doesn't he he doesn't he wants to be more aligned with the common man i see i see well uh i'm getting i'm getting some kind of old school uh some old school uh you know ho chi Minh vibes here he's got his he's got his kind of goatee his um his his facial hair is quite quite impressive he's got the uh, what they call Ho Chi Minh back in the day it was like uh, the Mister Pajamas, the Pajamas Man, or something. Um, I gotta say, his, his the shirt that he wears it does kind of look a little bit like pajamas. So 
Um, but anyway, putting putting aside the the optics of his appearance, um, I would say that uh, I, I, I I mean the thing the thing with Pennsylvania is that Pennsylvania has many similar characteristics to kind of other uh, states within that region, in that it seems to me my experiences going through the area and talking to to my fellow Americans from that area, that um, people out there are pretty moderate on a lot of social and economic issues. They kind of want a middle of the road policy. They kind of like gov- a lot of some government programs. They like having a bit of a social state. They like these things, but they're also very defensive of their culture, their land, their cities, their identity. And so uh, I think that if you had a, a, a candidate, a Democratic candidate in any of these states, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, um, wherever else that says, hey, you know, we're going to try to have some, we're going to try to have good economic policies that are good for the little people that are good for the poor and the working poor and et cetera and so forth. And, uh, you know, workers of the world unite and all that um, pro union. But we're also going to, you know, for example, here in the Northwest, uh, I, I spent some time living in Seattle and I remember getting the voting pamphlet and it was like in uh, 10 different languages or something, many pages, all many just paragraphs and paragraphs of, of strange and foreign characters, Vietnamese, Urdu, I mean, all these crazy languages. And, um, and so if you had somebody who was kind of that John Fetterman style, you know, I have solidarity with the people. I'm one of you, the little people, but I also look out for my people. You know, we're going to have, we're going to have, you know, because the reality is that uh, Americans are very, Americans don't mind, generally a lot of Americans in this region, especially in the North and the upper Midwest, they don't mind having a social state. It's just, they want to live in a nation state. They want to live in a country. They want to, uh, so it's like all all this baggage nowadays in the past 10 years that left-wing people have added, um, I think is, is not helping them. So if this guy was able to kind of be a old school Bernie Sanders and a Bernie Sanders of 10 years ago, I think that he could do very well. But if he decides to kind of go the AOC route, the route of intersectional bereavement of America is evil, Americans are evil, I think he'll be dead on arrival. All right. Well, speaking of the Senate, there are a number of Republicans retiring uh, in 2022, obviously, Toomey is one of them. Uh, others include Richard Burr uh, in uh, in North Carolina, um, as well as uh, Rob Portman in Ohio, um, and most recently, uh, Richard Shelby in Alabama has also announced that he is retiring. That means there are four Republicans that have already announced their retirement for United States Senate. Um, obviously Republicans are hoping 2022 will be a Republican wave year with Biden in the white house. Um, but right now they could have a challenge with that as there are so many Republicans, uh, retiring. What are your thoughts on the current Republican retirements? Well, we're kind of witnessing a civil war, uh, within the Republican party. Did you see Matt Gatz? He flew out to, uh, to the capital of Wyoming, Cheyenne, yes. and he gave a speech against Liz Cheney on the steps of the Wyoming state capitol. Did you see that? I did that? see that. Yes. Yeah. So, um, there is absolutely a civil war going on within the Republican party. You have, um, kind of the, 
you know, you have kind of the swamp creatures, the uh, traditional, uh, the traditional Republicans, those 30 year Republicans, capital R Republicans. Um, you know, these are just people who are, you know, they're from the Midwest, they're from the South. And out there, if you're smart and you like people, then you become a Republican. And that's just the way it is. And uh, and so you have all of these people who have been in power for just decades and decades and decades. And they're there to shake hands and kiss babies. They're they are from a older United States that was far less divided, far more peaceful, where, a, where a, being a congressman or a senator was not such a bad life. And now you're seeing all, now with, uh, with um, so much uh, media attention and hatred and, 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 and increasing intensity, you're seeing a lot of uh, these old school Republicans who are just like, hey, I'm here to kiss babies and and cut ribbons and, uh, you know, maybe have a have a model on my arm when I open up a new building. You know, I'm, I'm not here to have death threats. I'm not here to, to have people coming against me. I'm not here to get put in jail. You know, I'm so a lot of uh, you're seeing a lot of um, kind of the wheat being, or the, the chaff being separated from the from the wheat. A lot of Republicans going, hey, I'm out. This is a, you know, I'm a capital R Republican. And this is too hot. This is too much work for me. And it's interesting because you're seeing now a really pitched battle. I mean, increasingly pitched battle between the two sides of the Republican Party who are trying to take over the future. On the one side, you have kind of the populist, nationalist patriots um, who are uh, kind of associated with Trump and uh, as well as these other populist nationalist figures. And then you have on the other side of the party is kind of the establishment. And that is kind of the, oh, stop socialism. Socialism sucks. You know, Reagan revolution, um, libertarianism, uh, you know, big business, uh, private sector, um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, talking about uh, abortion a lot um, like that, that, that kind of wing of the party. And so you're seeing the two. It, what's interesting is that you have on the one side, the populist national side is kind of the Josh Hawley's, the Matt Gatz's, and they are fighting with um, the more establishment Republicans, the Liz Cheney's and the um, and the Nimrata Ranhawas for control over the party. So uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty rough in uh, 2022 and 2024 because uh, there, there's going to be a lot of soul searching within the Republican Party. Mm. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. So New York, excuse me, New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has come under controversy for uh, a testimony she gave about the uh, United States uh, Capitol riots. Uh, she said that she had feared for her life. Uh, she, she in the past had said she was very close to the riots um, she compared her experience to being sexually assaulted to the experience. Now that has been put into question, uh, because some members of Congress are claiming she was not in the building, uh, when, uh, the Capitol riots happened, specifically South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace has said that she, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez was not in the Capitol she was three doors down from her office and that uh, there just was not 
uh, th there were no uh, invaders that came into that building. Um, and so um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez uh, has fired back saying that it was deeply offensive uh, of Mace to say that and that there were guards there and she could not tell if they were there to help or if they were one of the a part of the uh, rioters. Um, what are your thoughts on this controversy? Well, uh, Miss uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is a uh, is a perfect example of why the American nation should have never, ever, ever annexed Puerto Rico. Um, you know, we have this war with the Spanish, and it goes pretty well. And we get four islands: we get Guam, the Philippines, Cuba, and Puerto Rico. And we've only kept a hold of Guam and Puerto Rico. But um, I don't think that we ever should have. Giving citizenship to Puerto Ricans uh, was completely inappropriate. Uh, it has not benefited our country. It has not benefited our people. Um, the, the Puerto Rico should have been given back to, should have been sold back to Spain. Um, or uh, it should be give, granted its independence. Um, <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, she... She, um, you know, I, if, if I could, I actually, um, I had a friend who actually, uh, from here in Oregon, who actually was able to confront her um, while she was leaving uh, a building once. And he, he yelled at her, do you love America? And she goes, yeah, I love America. He goes, do you, really, though? Do you actually love America? And then, you know, she didn't answer. But it's, I would, I would ask her this kind of the same question is, you know, what, what are you what are you doing in the government of a country who the majority of the people in that country you don't feel a kinship with you don't feel a bond with um it's just i don't know every every she she swallows up she is like this black hole that swallows up so much media attention she's kind of like a young like a young um uh, left-wing trump in in that way and it's just sad because when I travel around the world, I don't want uh, foreigners who I interact with thinking that AOC or Donald Trump represent us because they don't. Um, so, yeah, it's just sad whenever I see her in the media, basically ever. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. So. Uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has been uh, facing some controversy lately uh, over uh, more over the uh, handling of nursing homes in the state of New York. The story did get some attention uh, throughout the summer, but not a lot of national attention. Now it's being more so brought to life uh, as Cuomo, as uh, Democratic Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, has discovered that Cuomo may have uh, covered up uh, some nursing home deaths and that uh, related to COVID um, and that the deaths uh, by COVID may have been 50% higher uh, than Cuomo previously reported. Uh, Cuomo uh, has now come under fire. Uh, the Department of Health is now demanding uh, that Cuomo uh, release the full numbers um, Cuomo is hesitant to do so, 
Um, the uh, 14 Democrats uh, in the New York State Assembly have also called for Cuomo to be stripped of his powers. What are your thoughts on this controversy? Well, he has been governor of New York since 2011. Yes. And uh, I personally think there should be term limits on governors. Um, we have two terms for the uh, president. I think it should probably be the same for our governors. So I would say that he should not even be governor anymore. Uh, the, he's been in there too long already. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, uh, he, he's just another he's just another politician. Um I mean, you know, the fact that they've tried to cover up maybe a few deaths or or this or that is is it's not surprising. Um, he's just it's time for him to go. It's time for him to do something else. It's time for him to move on. He's just getting old in the tooth. Um, we're bored of Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, right now uh, it is looking like the attempt to recall California Governor Gavin Newsom is gaining some steam. Uh, the governor there, um, there was there have been five efforts to recall him in the past. Most of them have failed. However, this one seems to be gaining steam, most likely due to an extension uh, in the deadline, thanks to uh, COVID-19, the, uh, the extension to get signatures to put that on the ballot uh, is uh, has gained steam because uh, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, right now, the, um, the, the uh, measure is just uh, is not very far away from getting enough votes for it to be on the ballot uh, towards the end of this year. Um, if there is a recall ballot, there will be two ballots, uh, a yes or no ballot uh, saying whether you want to recall Gavin Newsom or not and kick him out of office. And then the second ballot would be uh, who is your second choice for governor of the state. Multiple Republicans uh, have declared they are running, including uh, former San Diego mayor Kevin Falconer. Falconer is saying that he plans to run in a runoff if uh, or, or in a sorry recall election. If there is a recall election, if there isn't. He plans to run for governor in 2022 when Gavin Newsom will have to run for re-election no matter what. Um, and uh, also uh, thinking about running is John Cox. John Cox was the Republican candidate who challenged Newsom unsuccessfully in 2018. And now uh, former Germany ambassador Rick Grinnell uh, who is also the acting uh, director of national intelligence under Donald Trump, is thinking about potentially uh, launching a run for California's governor. Grinnell was the first openly gay uh, cabinet member uh, for a president, and he would be the first openly gay governor if elect uh, of California if elected. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on uh, the effort to recall Gavin Newsom. Well, it's kind of fascinating. Um, uh, I've spent a lot of my life out here on the West Coast. I'm pretty familiar with California. Generally, um, and I might be a little off here, but generally what I've heard from people down in California is that uh, Gavin Newsom, as far as um, governors go, is, is not 
not the worst. Um, so uh, we'll see how this uh, how this uh, recall vote goes. Um, I don't know if it's going to pass. Uh, I'm somewhat skeptical of it. Yeah. But um, but it's true that California is definitely going through some really hard times and has a lot of problems. And a lot of people in California are very upset with how things are going. But uh, will they be able to? Uh, I mean, good. California is the most Democrat state in the country, I believe. Yeah. Uh, more so than 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 anywhere. I guess you know D.C., but that's that isn't not not a state yet. Um, so I I don't really see there being ever being a legitimate uh, Republican challenge to the Democrat hegemony uh, hegemony that rules over. Um, California, because I mean, so few people in California identify as unhyphenated Americans or as patriots. So the idea that that a a a somebody like Kevin Faulkner uh, could run with uh, on the Republican ticket uh, uh, on the party of American patriotism and and old America and uh, and all of these things, all these, all these, uh, the, the party of the deplorables and the clingers, the idea that a person like that could ever achieve any success in a state where it's like, what, like 30% of the population of California identifies as an unhyphenated American. So like a quarter of people in California weren't even born there. So the idea that any, that, that the idea that, uh, that, that a state in which a quarter of the people were not even born there, that they're ever going to vote for somebody like Kevin Faulkner running on the Republican ticket. It's just, uh, it's just unfortunately a conservative fantasy. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so Kevin McCarthy has uh, opened up his list for who he would like to challenge, uh, who, who, what Republicans he'd like to see challenged in the year 2022 um the 47 uh democrats uh the 47 uh democrats uh that are running um include a number of democrats but right now uh republicans need five seats uh to uh to win uh, in 2022 to win back uh, the majority in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, given their history, they do have a good chance uh, of winning in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, since FDR, every president since FDR, with the exception of George W. Bush, uh, shortly after 9-11, lost, saw their party lose seats in the United States House of Representatives after uh, the first midterm uh, during the first midterm election of a new president. Um, so um, this will be the first midterm of Joe Biden's presidency. That certainly suggests uh, that uh, it will be a uh, Republicans will gain some seats in the House. They only need five and they'll be in the majority. Um, Kevin McCarthy has 47 ideas of Democrats he wants to take down. Another thing helping Republicans is the fact that um, right now uh, uh, there is a redistricting process going on. Uh, the state legislatures will have to redraw the map. And right now, 27 state legislatures are controlled by Republicans, which means in most states, including key swing states, 
like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona, they will have, oh, and North uh, North Carolina as well, they will have the ability to redraw the maps in those states. What are your thoughts uh, on uh, the... uh, on Kevin McCarthy's uh, goal to try and unseat 47 Democrats. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? So in my conversations with uh, conservatives um, a lot in the, in the Republican Party, all, a lot of the establishment types, the kind of the boomer con types, they, uh, they're they're all saying, oh, yeah, the, the house is going to flip. Just you watch. We're going to it's going to be a landslide 2022, you know, and they and they they point out history. That's what they always love to point out. They always they go, oh, oh, well, look at the history. Look at this. They fail to realize that this country has fundamentally changed in my lifetime, uh, demographically, culturally, economically, politically. Uh, so these paradigms of the past are increasingly no longer relevant to our present. And to all these kind of swamp creatures who just say, oh, it's all okay, it's all okay, um, no no worries, you know, kind of that kind of that meme of the house is on fire and the dog is sipping the coffee, this is fine. Um, to them, I say, you guys have been kicked off of uh, all the social media platforms, you have no institutional power, you have no influence in the media. Uh, you turn on t- turn on any movie, turn on the internet, turn on YouTube, uh, turn on the television. What do you see? You see an endless stream of of of, uh, of of support for the other side, and opposition to their side. And so, the honestly, you know, for example, when I was out at the um, the march in the Capitol uh, on January sixth. I just heard endlessly from all these people around me. They were just like, oh, everyone that I ever, I just don't understand how how uh, Trump has lost. I, I just don't understand it. Oh, everyone that I know is voted for Trump. And it's like, well, what do you mean you don't understand it? Have you turned on a television in the last five years? Have you turned on the internet in the last five years? Have you turned on, a, literally, have you watched any Hollywood movie in the last five years? What are you talking about? You've completely lost the country. You've completely lost the institutions. You've completely lost the demographics. Um, so I think that Republicans are going to be in for a very, very hard run in 2022. And honestly, if they manage to flip the House, I think it would be a minor miracle. Now, what do you think about the argument that they only need to gain five seats to retake the House? Because we know in 2010, the last time Democrats were in power during Obama's first midterm, uh, Republicans needed to gain more than 40 seats to retake the House. They ended up taking 63. Uh, this time, they only need to, to flip five, and, and that would be enough to uh, put Republicans in the majority. What are your thoughts uh, on that argument that they only need to flip five seats and they'll have the House back? Well, I mean, that's why I say it would be minor, a very, a very minor miracle because of this, the, the small numbers that they have to overcome. Um, I mean, I guess if they really threw all their weight into these, these few people, maybe they could achieve it. But it's going to be really tough because, again, where, what, what social media platform are these candidates going to use? What, uh, where are they going to be interviewed? Are they going to be allowed to hold events? I mean, how are these people going to run? 
Um, so we'll see. I mean, because because what I see is the Republican establishment does not have the strength of character to fight fire with fire to to um, to promote and to protect and to uh, help these people. I, I just don't see the Republican Party as being in a position of of strength right now. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I think that the Democrats will do a very good job of keeping these few candidates from being able to have access to media or to the Internet or to events. And so um, we'll see. I mean, they'll definitely be facing an uphill battle. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. Uh, so uh, former uh, Lincoln Project co-founder John Weaver has been arrested. John Weaver, uh, of course, co-founded the uh, Lincoln Project, which, of course, was a viral initiative of former Republicans who left the party in frustration of its turn towards President Donald Trump um, and its support of him. They endorsed Joe Biden for president, um, and they supported uh, more liberal causes. Uh, well, now John Weaver um, has been arrested um, after uh, a number of texts came out uh, and a number uh, of allegations that revealed he may have been preying on underaged boys, underaged males. Um, John Weaver uh, recently came out as gay. Um, despite having a wife and a child, um, however, um, he, um, did, uh, he is being, uh, he has been arrested for allegedly preying on, uh, on some, on, on multiple men, uh, specifically one, uh, a few men that were as young as 14 years old. Um, the, uh, controversy has been hurting, uh, the, the controversy has led to a number uh, of uh, shakeups in the Lincoln Project, specifically Steve Schmidt. He was the co-founder. He was probably the most vocal advocate for the Lincoln Project. He has announced that he will leave the Lincoln Project over John Weaver's uh, behavior. What are your thoughts on this controversy surrounding the anti-Trump Lincoln Project? Well, I always found the Lincoln Project kind of uh, kind of absurd, kind of kind of lame. I mean, they um, their basic kind of premise is that well, Trump is uncouth and crass and unprofessional, so therefore uh, we need to launch a brave and unwavering resistance. It's like <laughs> there are so many bigger problems in this country. I mean, I, I travel this country and. In almost every single one of our major cities outside of the South and Midwest, there are favelas. They are barrios popping up. There are tents everywhere, beggars everywhere, garbage filling the streets in many of our major cities. And then here comes the Lincoln Project. And I see their billboards all over the place, or I used to anyway. And they were raising so much money. And I'm literally I literally would see their billboards, uh, you know, it's like some picture of Lincoln and say it was some some very vague quote about dignity or something. And then underneath the billboard, it literally you got tents with people shooting heroin in desperate straits, you know, uh, oftentimes uh, severely mentally ill without help. And and then here you have the Lincoln Project just 
endlessly traveling around the country begging for money. So what? So that they can resist some like what? 78 year old uh, New Yorker uh, who, because he's crass and unprofessional and, 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 uh, it's, it's just sad. It's just pathetic. I mean, if they had, if they had legitimate criticism, if they were like, well, we, we have a legitimate vision for the Republican party or for, for a political party in general, we, here we have our policies here. We have ideas to actually help people. I would go, well, great, raise some money and let's get out there and try to help some people. But, uh, no, this, this just obsession, this, this high school drama like obsession with one human being is is ill befitting of the dignity of our country and just just sad all right well let's move on to the last story uh nikki haley uh the you the former south carolina governor also the ambassador to the united nations under President Donald Trump, largely considered a potential candidate for the Republican nomination in 2024, has officially disowned uh, pres- former President Donald Trump. Uh, Haley says, quote, we, should, we shouldn't have followed him um, and that he has, quote, no future in the Republican Party. What are your thoughts on Nikki Haley distancing herself and essentially disowning former president Donald Trump. Well, I certainly understand why she is so highly successful. She's a beautiful, well-spoken woman, um, very savvy, very intelligent. Uh, Obviously, she decided that this was a savvy and calculated and correct move to make, and she wouldn't be doing it otherwise. um, But... uh, (laughs) Nikki Haley, a.k.a. Nimrata Randhawa, because that's the name that she was born with. And she only switched over to Nikki Haley when she decided to enter politics in her uh, in her uh, late 20s. But um, she (laughs) again, it's kind of like you have to ask with Nikki Haley, what is your vision? You go, you go, you were, you know, you're born Nimrata Randhawa to a Punjabi Sikh family. And then, you know, you're very beautiful, you're very smart, you're very ambitious, so you're able to achieve great things. But what is your actual, I've never actually heard uh, Nimrata ever say anything about her vision for America or or any kind of grand <laughs> grand strategy. I mean, the, the idea that, that a, that, um, I mean, I don't know. And, and the fact that she changed her, the fact that she changed, it's just, I don't know, she just seems like a very, from what I talk, on the ground wow people do not like her on the ground i don't i don't know what support where she gets her support from it must be it must be kind of more like that uh, the internet people who are not um i don't know it must be you know maybe big big business big media likes her i, I don't really know who who is really into nikki haley because i've talked to a lot of conservatives in the past couple of years and nobody talks about her uh nobody nobody's really following her. So I'm, we'll see, we'll see if she's able to, um, uh, transition this to gain more power for herself. Uh, but I don't know. I just don't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of populist support for her within the conservative movement itself. Do you think she's right in saying Donald Trump has no future within the Republican party? (laughs) 
<laughs> it's uh, it's laughable. I mean, maybe Trump will kind of go off his 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 visibility within the party might fade. Maybe he uh, will not run again. That's certainly possible. But I've uh, have you ever been to a uh, Trump rally before? No. <laughs> So I've only been to one myself. Uh, there's very few out on the West Coast. So I've only been to one. It was in Georgia. It was actually in the district that Marjorie Taylor Greene is from. And um, there were there were more than 20,000 people there. It was the middle in, in the winter, in, in the cold. And it's just kind of the middle of nowhere. I don't know why in the world Trump chooses to put his rallies kind of in the middle of the, the woods. But uh, just the middle of nowhere in northwest georgia and there were 20,000 plus people in the winter night uh at the, and like trump shows up like a, like he was supposed to speak at like eight shows up at like nine i mean there were so so many people so much enthusiasm trump gets out there he just talks about himself for like three quarters of the time he uh he does he does a few little you know he'll, he'll do some call outs to the people to the to the uh to his supporters but for the most part, he was just talking about his personal drama and personal problems and personal life for like three quarters of the speech. And people were still eating it up. People were still eating out of his hand. Um, I mean, the idea, Trump, <laughs> the idea that the most popular um, figure within the conservative movement since Ronald Reagan is just going to quietly fade into the night. And Nimrata Randhawa, who ordered the removal of the Confederate flag in South Carolina, right? I'm not a Southern. I'm not. I'm not into that issue. But just uh, that kind of gives you her mindset. Um, she, the idea that that she, this person who no one talks about, is going to be able to unseat and 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 uh, get rid of a guy who 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 brought more. He probably brought more people to his rallies than. All of than all Republican um, leaders combined in the past probably ten years. So <laughs> I, I I say to old Nimrata, hey, you know, to to uh, may the best uh, may the best win and good luck. But I'd be surprised. All right, that about wraps up this week's episode. Lander Nelson, thank you again for joining me. Before you go, do you want to tell people where you can be found on social media and also where people can watch your videos and live streams? Yeah, it was great talking to you, Nolan. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I have a uh, weekly live show on YouTube, uh, and uh, I'm also pretty easy to find throughout social media. I'm most active on Instagram. All right. Let's. After four seasons, it's finally coming. Politics Weekly, the 100th episode, coming soon.